Hello, fellow health and safety professionals. We are coming to you live from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, home of the Fonz, Laverne and Shirley, and of course, beer. How could it get any better than that? This is Ted Speaks Live. Our podcast will focus on keeping people safe, families together, and growing your career in short eight to 10 minute weekly segments. Your host is Ted Carew, the positive safety coach. Ted has over 25 years of health and safety experience in both manufacturing and construction. He started his career in the field and worked his way up to safety director. Ted also coaches football and knows how important it is to communicate expectations and work together both at work and at play. With this as Ted's background, he is excited to share some of his experiences with you and to improve your career and your company. Our guest today is Dick Flint, who has over 20 years of experience in the manufacturing industry in environmental health and safety. Dick holds a Bachelor of Science in Occupational Safety from the State University of New York Empire State College. He received his Certified Safety Professional and Certified Instructional Trainer from Board Certified Safety Professionals. During his career, he has worked in manufacturing. He currently works for Lanza. Lanza is a global leader in life sciences. They have more than 15,000 employees in more than 120 locations around the world. Together in 2019, they achieved global sales of $5.9 billion. Please welcome Dick Flint to our podcast. Hey, Dick, how are you doing today? I'm great, Ted. How are you? I am really good. I'm excited to talk to you and and really learn more about the excitement of being able to make training more memorable for our employees out there. Sure. I'm excited to be here. Can you kind of share a little bit of your background, your career, and perhaps maybe a little bit more about your journey as far as how you got there? Sure. Born and raised in Western New York after a stint in the U.S. Army and a few years out in California going to school. I started as an electrician many years ago. Oh, okay. Moved back to uh, Western New York and got a job building control panels and stayed in school and worked my way into a controls engineering position that I stayed in for about 20 years. Oh, wow. Wow. The best part about that job is that it took me from plant to plant to plant. I visited all kinds of manufacturing plants all over North America as a controls engineer, and I'd be there anywhere from two days to three or four months at a time which really exposed me to a lot of workers and a lot of different ideas and a lot of different processes. And that turned out to be invaluable education for what I'm doing today. After, uh, like I said, about 20 years of heavy traveling, I decided I wanted to settle down. So I got a job here in Rochester, New York, where I'm from. And they said, we really can't afford your salary to do just automation and engineering. How about safety? We got money in the budget for a safety engineer. Do you think you could do that? And I said, how tough can that be? (laughs) (laughs) Until you wear the shoes, right? Until you wear the shoes, right? That's (laughs) right. Exactly. So I kind of fell into safety like a lot of people I've met have done. Mm -hmm. That's the way it started for me. I found out to my great surprise that I enjoyed it (laughs) and also that I was good at it. So I went back to school and got degreed and certified and all of that. And then I've been, I made the transition and I've been doing nothing but safety now for almost 20 years. Yeah, that's quite the incredible story, the journey. And then now the passion that you have for safety and then going and getting your CSP afterwards, that shows true passion. Well, like I said, I enjoyed it. You know, they say you're good at what you enjoy or you enjoy what you're good at. I'm not sure which led me first, but that's the way it worked out for me. 
Yeah, that makes a big difference though. I know you were going to share with us your idea about teaching or training safety as a skill. Can you elaborate on that? Sure. As I said, I was traveling into all these different plants when I was an engineering and an electrician. One of the things that I would have to do on day one of visiting a new site was they'd send me down to the safety trailer or the safety manager's office, and I would have to endure anywhere from an hour to two or three days of safety orientation. And I got a snootful of exactly how bad training can be from going to all of these different sites. And it really taught me what good training is, what bad training is. And I thought that I could do better than most of these orientations that I'd had to go through. So that's kind of the way I decided to move into safety. And I thought if I ever get a chance to do this type of training, I'll do better than these people have done. So years go by. Now I'm a safety manager. And I'm giving a safety orientation to about a dozen people in one of these rooms. And I use the line that I think a lot of safety managers used to use. It goes something like, working safely is a condition of your employment here. I don't use that line anymore. But at the time, one of the people in the room raised his hand and said, what exactly does working safely mean? And it kind of took me back. And I blurted out something about, wearing your PPE and obeying the safety rules of the facility. And he accepted it because he was a new employee, had no choice, right? (laughs) But I never liked the answer. Mm -hmm. I never liked the answer. And I said about trying to come up with a better answer. And I've often thought I wish I could go back to that day and time, grab that employee, set him down and tell him what exactly that means. Because I've figured it out now and have been teaching it for the last five or six years now. Yeah, you sent me that video of your training and the way that you put people together with different things. It was so easy for me to comprehend what you were talking about, what it meant, and it was just very easy. So I think your way of training is really a way that all of us really need to learn. Well, thanks. I'm glad you enjoyed it. The training that I do, I have to do the same type of technical training that everybody in your audience has to do. Everybody has to learn how to do lockout, tagout properly and confined space properly. And there's all of these technical subjects. But beyond that, and I think more importantly, is learning the skill of working safely generally and what exactly that means. So that is what I've always tried to push first. And then we go into the details, into the technical areas. But on day one, everybody that comes in, that I get a hold of, that's the first thing I ask them to do is we want you to develop this skill. We're going to teach it to you and we want you to work on it and develop it and get good at it because it'll keep you safe for your lifetime, not just on this job, but when you're in your car, when you're home, no matter where you are. Yeah, that's a good concept because it has to be an overall, I know the word culture is used a lot, but just an overall feeling of why People do things better when they know why they're doing it and how it affects them and others. So just giving that basic background instead of just going in and checking a kind of like a checklist off, you need to engage people and keep them interested for them to want to learn something instead of just being there because they were told to. Well, it really comes down to what's in it for me, right? I mean, that kind of concept. Yeah. That's right. That's right. They have to see value in it or they will only remember it long enough to pass the test and they will only adhere to it as long as they're being watched and directly supervised. But if you can get through to them and teach them this is why, this is how you work safely, and this is why you should work safely, then they take that and they not only use it at work, but like I said, everywhere they go, they even teach it to their kids. 
right? right? And not only that, you build on it and you're, what are you building? A culture, right? Because it starts That's with right. the training. Now you're building That's it. That's exactly right. Now you can entrust your employees to do that right. when you're not around. I think we've all started jobs or been in a position where we've had to train new hires and Sometimes, depending on who's doing the training, it's just kind of a checklist. Like, okay, we do this, and then next we do this. And at least I know for me, if I don't know why I'm doing something or understand the concept behind it, it doesn't stick. Right. I mean, it is really important, but it's something that I think people easily overlook. Not everyone who trains or teaches or coaches gets that concept. You might know your stuff, but relaying it to others is not always easy. You have to have a skill. I think as safety professionals at times, we're assuming these people are coming to work, so you just got to do this and you got to follow this. And that's really kind of a bad way of doing it, right, Dick? Is that kind of what we're saying here? Well, I mean, some things have to be enforced. There's no doubt about it. There are rules. The companies have every right to insist on rules. And we certainly do at my company as well. But beyond that and beyond the nuts and bolts of being safe, what I try to teach is kind of overarching on that. In other words, it's not just you must wear your safety glasses or you must wear your fall protection. It is more like you looked at this situation and decided that it was safe enough for you. Well, why did you think that that was safe enough for you? I mean, if I put a picture of unsafe behavior in front of a bunch of employees, they will be able to pick out the unsafe behaviors and pass every test I can give them. So knowledge isn't the issue. But they, like everybody, will look at a situation and determine and judge in their own heads the risk that's uh, involved doing that activity and the reward that's involved. These meters that we have in our heads are constantly measuring risk and reward and teaching how to keep those meters properly calibrated so that you are accurately seeing risk is one of the three skills that I teach. So you can see it's not about technical rules. It's more about understanding what risk is and how you determine what risk is and making sure that you keep your meter that reads that risk calibrated. One of the examples I talk about is the squirrel on the side of the road who always runs out in front of traffic. <laughs> yeah. And then turns and runs back, sometimes <laughs> changes his mind directly underneath your car. Yeah. We've all seen that, right? Oh, yeah. And when you look at these squirrels as you approach them on the side of the road, you can see their risk and reward meters jumping around. Yeah. They can't keep them calibrated. They're constantly changing. Everybody acts on those meters. And so trying to calibrate those meters is, in my mind, the skill. Because let's face it, when the safety manager isn't there or their direct supervisor isn't there or they're at home in their basement or garage or they're behind the wheel of their car, they will take action based on the results of their own meters. Not my idea of safe, but their idea of safe. Yeah, I like that visual concept of the squirrel that puts it into perspective. So the way you train, the concept makes complete sense when you talk about it. Why don't you think this is being done more often at companies? Well, I honestly think that a lot of safety professionals just don't know where to begin to mm -hmm. answer the question of how to work safely themselves. They believe that how to work safely is, well, you wear your PPE and you do these things. It's a checklist for them. So I think the very first thing that any safety professional has to do that is interested in going down this path is to ask themselves that question. How does a person work safely? And if your answers are all wearing this PPE or doing all of these things, you haven't gotten to the true how do I work safely. 
Ted, I saw in your bio that you're a football coach. Yes. Imagine if on the first day, I don't know what age of kids that you coach, but let's say you coach a bunch of six-year-olds. They're brand new to football. They show up one day and you say, okay, everybody have your helmets and shoulder pads on, PPE, check. Did everybody get the rules of football that I sent home with your parents last week? Okay, everyone knows the rules. Everyone has the PPE. Today is our first game. Take the field. Good luck. <laughs> Could that team be any good? You know, no. they've never been shown how to play. Right. So learning or teaching people how to work safely has to go much further than a list of rules and a list of PPE. It has to be able to show them the skills of identifying and properly assessing their risk, of monitoring their state of mind, and of developing safe habits so that they can fight complacency. Those are the skills that we need to teach. I would agree with you. I mean, especially, you know, you look at the complacency piece, right? Right. We all struggle with that. We have that. If we're doing one thing for a while, what happens? Our minds nowadays with technology and stuff like that just can't focus very long. That's right. Yeah, it's kind of like being on autopilot and then you miss things around you. That's exactly right. That's a double-edged sword. It can be a mm-hmm. very dangerous thing. But right. on the other hand, if we use that power and harness that power of habit, mm-hmm. it will keep us away from hazards even when we become complacent because habit keeps us away. Very true. So one of the skills I teach is to learn how to identify, develop, and ingrain these little tiny habits that will keep you from even being exposed to a hazard. And that's one of the very powerful techniques. Yeah, that really makes a lot of sense. And uh, I think you gave good advice for people who may not be here yet, but want to make their training and teaching better. Just kind of look at the way they're doing it and take it step by step. Well, I obviously just even from this conversation, even with your analogies like the football and such, those are really good teaching tools. And I can say that it really helps me. So I can see why you are successful in training. One thing that I've noticed when I was fortunate enough to be a part of some of Dick's uh, training was he always did similar things like that. That made it very understanding, being able to put that into place. For me, I really enjoyed learning because when I left, I definitely felt like I could relate to different things. Right. It's relatable. It engages you instead of just sitting there listening to things just to get it off your list. Yeah, to get it done because it's required. Well, training is the most powerful tool we have, in my opinion. If you're a safety manager and you've got a population of employees on a manufacturing site, let's say, you can make all the rules, author all the policies and procedures you want to, but you are basically, if you want people to act safely, you're a persuader. Mm. Yep. It's a people job. Yeah. And that means that your limited exposure to people when you talk to them one-on-one or when you talk to them in a classroom environment, whether they be 50 or 100 or 10 or whatever the case, that's really your only chance to get through to these people. So becoming a good trainer, if somebody asked me what's the most important thing to being a, a good safety manager, I would say that. Do everything you can to become as good as you can at training and getting through to people, not just training on technical subjects, not just imparting knowledge, but influencing and persuading people. That's very true. And it's not always an easy thing to do. As Ted and I have talked in the past, you can have a really, not just in the safety field, you can have a really knowledgeable person, but if they don't know how to relay all of that to someone else, they're not necessarily a good teacher. So sometimes, you know, it might be something that comes easy to you if you do the hard work and some people might just have to work a little extra harder at it. 
That's exactly right. It is a skill that can be learned. I've read a few books. Uh, Regina McMichaels has uh, written a good book in the last year. She's an ASSP, CIT, and uh, I've taken her seminars, and she helped me along the way to become a good trainer. Basically, anytime I go to a conference or a seminar or a national show, the first thing I look for is any breakout sessions on training because those go to the top of my list. I want to learn everything I can on how to get better at that skill because, as I said, I think it's the most important skill we have. Agreed. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's really how you build culture. Hey, Dick, I think you have a lot of fascinating things to offer our, our audience. How could people get a hold of you if they have any questions after this podcast? Well, I'm on LinkedIn, of course. You can always message me there, or I can give you an email if you want to, and they can get a hold of me through you. I'm certainly not afraid to put my email out there. Well, if you want to share your email with the audience. Well, let me see. My email would be R-F-L-Y-N-T. That's my first initial, R, and my last name, Flint with a Y, 78 at gmail.com. Super. Thank you very much. Dick, for being on our show today. I really enjoyed you sharing the stories and also kind of looking at training as building our culture and starting to get there. Well, as you know, Dick, we always try to have a little fun here on the show. And so today, when I got up this morning, I watched a horror movie. Do you know what the name of it was? No. What was it? An OSHA instruction video. (laughs) Yeah, I would agree with that. That's kind of fitting with the topic, isn't it? Yes, I've Um, sat through a couple of those. (laughs) Yes, I think we all have. Yeah. Okay, this might be one that you might know. Why was six afraid of seven? Because seven, eight, nine? Yeah, there you go. That's a classic. See? There you right. go. See, people are getting this stuff, Barb. We're building confidence I've, and letting you get I one here. I have heard that in 40 yeah. years. <laughs> we do nice safe type jokes on here, okay? <laughs> sure, okay. Here's the last one. <laughs> All right. I'm calling this Chuck Norris month, okay? So another Chuck All Norris right. joke. All right. Why doesn't he skydive anymore? Uh, I give up. Because one Grand Canyon is enough. (laughs) Oh, Oh, those Chuck Norris jokes. Yes. Oh, boy. It's over. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks, Dick, for being on the show and really uh, giving our audience something to build on for the future, especially with training. And I think that's the way we need to go in training. So thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Ted Speaks Live with Ted Carew, the positive safety coach. We would love to hear from you. You can reach out through email at ted.carew at healthandsafetynow.com if you'd like to know more about our podcast or if you're interested in being a guest. Feel free to check us out at healthandsafetynow.com. Rate and review on your favorite podcast app. Join us next week for our next episode. Have a super safe week.